Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. Getting a new vehicle can be stressful, but not at Lake Elsinore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. That's where surfers go inland to purchase their new and used vehicles. Otis Mineral Glass Eyewear. Born on the rugged, surf-rich coast of Western Australia, they create sunglasses that look good, last the distance, and complement an eclectic lifestyle. Mineral Glass Lenses, environmentally friendly, scratch resistant, with perfect clarity. Otis Eco Acetate is made from resources widely found in nature like cotton seeds and plant matter using natural non-fossil fuel binders. That means the acetate part of our frames is non-toxic, recyclable, and certified biodegradable. Otis Glasses is beautiful. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at inherentbummer.com. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Surfa CBD, grown by surfers for surfers to help you maintenance your body after a lifetime of surfing. Follow us on Instagram at Surfa. S-E-R-F-A C-B-D. Use promo code Late Night with Chalky at checkout for 20% off surfacbd.com. WaveKey is the world's most comprehensive land-based sensory surf discipline. The brainchild of former number one surfer Brad Gerlach, WaveKey's martial art-like focus on slow, precise, land-based movements embed powerful surfing patterns and fundamental technique for surfers of all levels. WaveKey is a land-based program allowing you to achieve a heightened focus on the movements as you practice. The effects of this are amplified when the practice begins to subliminally emerge in your surfing. It takes time for this to happen, but when it does, your surfing improves dramatically. Brad Gerlach is front and center in all aspects of the unique WaveKey course presenting recorded videos, live session videos, Q's and A's, and insightful expert notes. Nuggets of gold that you simply won't find anywhere else. Wave key for the love of surfing. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Our guest this week, one of the most stylish and progressive surfers on the planet. A standout in any condition and is known for his technical approach above and below the lip. He's an Olympian. An Olympian. 
five-time tour winner, a pipe master, a triple crown winner, and finished number two in the world in 2018. He recently just retired and focused his life, is focusing his life on his family and starting a new apparel brand called Rivia Projects. Rivia Projects. We are super pumped and we welcome Julian, nicknamed Jules. I don't know. Jules. 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 J-Dubs. J-Dubs. Yeah. J-Dubs. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, this is an honor and a privilege. Thank you, boys. Stoked to be on here having a chat. Yeah. Congratulations on starting your own thing, man. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. Big learning experience, but I've really enjoyed it so far. And uh, Usually we would say it's a great American dream, but it's a great Australian dream this time. <laughs> great Aussie dream. <laughs> well, before we jump into uh, into Rivia projects, let's talk about the history of J Dubs, the risk, the history of Jules. Yeah. When did you, uh, you know, how and when did you find surfing? Um, yeah, cool. Uh, I was introduced to surfing from my very first memories, really. Uh, like my, I was born into a fa surfing family. I've got two older brothers, quite a bit older, um, five years between me and the middle one, seven between me and Seb, the eldest. Mum and dad both surfed. Damn. It was a family. Yeah, no choice. <laughs> no, no choice. And uh, it was actually a family of longboarders. Uh, my, my brothers were, yeah, became professional longboarders and, yeah, dad has a lot of history um, in in the longboarding scene and um, a lot of uh, very close friendships with some iconic um, long longboard shapers and longboard surfers and um, and yeah my mum she always surfed she's from Geelong uh, down in Victoria and she she was there at the at the very start of, of Quicksilver and, and Rip Curl and and Billabong and friends with with them um, uh, as they kicked off um, down in Victoria before she she came up to visit Noosa when she was 18 and never went home. But, um, yeah. That's when she met your dad? That's when she met dad, yeah. Dad's from Brisbane, just um, an hour and a bit down the road, but um, spent all his time surfing up here on the points at Noosa. And, yeah, they met up here at Noosa. Um, but yeah, just, yeah, grew up in a surfing family and, um, just my earliest memories are at the beach. Just, <laughs> yup. Just, um, I think I was, yeah, just as soon as I could, I, was, I mean, I was in the water before I could walk, but, um, yeah, the youngest of the three, youngest of the three. Yeah. Spent my life playing catch up. <laughs> and you started on a longboard at, at an early age or just any board, boogie boarding, surfing? Yeah, any board, any board I could get my hands on. But um, we definitely, definitely was the on the longboard. Um, first competition, my introduction to competition was on a longboard. Um, my family was in the Noosa Longboarding Club and we spent our, our Sundays um, at the Mail Club. And, uh, and yeah, it was, um, yeah, not the most kind of conventional upbringing for a Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home 
isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Shortboarding career. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, it wasn't a smoother style though, right? Um, yeah, you learn, you learn um, I think, patience. Um, technique. And technique and, and yeah, there's all sorts of um, things that I still reflect on having the longboarding upbringing um, just when I try and dissect my surfing and look at other things and um i still do it today um relate things back to to then probably i've probably spent more time of late trying to maybe shorten up my lines um which is which is different but just in the in the subpar sort of waves just kind of getting um a bit dirtier and and a little less polished um, has sort of been a focus for for the last few years, but yeah, I definitely a little, little spice, yeah, a little, yeah, a few more hops, get a bit more speed going. Have you ever heard of the expression "If it ain't broke, don't fix it"? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Just an American thing. I think but that's who, kind of what we got to make a, a Rivia T-shirt that uh, that says that a Rivia Projects T-shirt. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, it's a good saying, but I don't know who actually lives by that. There's <laughs> always something more. It's so uh, what's your brother's names? The oldest one is what? My oldest brother Seb, Sebastian, and my middle brother uh, is Bart, Bartholomew. And, um, nice. yeah, pretty cool. Like, um, my, my middle brother Bart lives in California. He's been there for eight years now, um, manages all my stuff, works for – Wasserman um, agency Sick. and uh, yeah, he's just, um, it's been amazing to have, to have his unconditional support. And um, no wonder he has a seven, six, oh, number. <laughs> yeah. Yup. Seven, six, oh, number. Um, and he's got an American wife and, and two boys. Um, awesome. So yeah, he's, yeah, he's half and half my brother. <laughs> what does Jeb do? Uh, Seb, Seb is, um, Seb. Seb, yeah, he's got two little ones and his partner and he, um, part-time landscaping, um, he has, uh, a lot of experience in tiling. Um, my dad was a tiler from when he was 16 till he was 64, um, laid tiles his whole life. And, um, Seb being the eldest brother, he was the only one that, kind of really got roped into the, the tiling <laughs> thing so 
Steph's I need a family business. I need an assistant. I need a, <laughs> yeah. I need a yeah. You coming with me, son. Um, I'll show you the ropes. So yeah, Seb, Seb picked up that trade um, through, through dad and he's really good at it, but it's obviously a very taxing job. Um, yeah. And so labor, a, man. it's a love hate thing for Seb, but it's, um, he does that part time. Um, and then yeah, landscaping part time, but he just loves kind of not being too tied down so he can surf. Um, yeah. and isn't, that, isn't that all of our dream? <laughs> oh man, he's living, he's living the dream. He is, um, yeah, still in the, our hometown of Coolum and, um, he's got two kids himself and yeah, he's just based here. He helps out with mum and dad a bunch and just loves being in Coolum. That's killer. Now your parents, your, your dad surfed all his life. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like Australia is so, I've never been to Australia. Maybe no. now that I work for Rivia Projects, maybe I'll get to go out there. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's, it's so, the world revolves around surfing in Australia, right? I mean, pretty yeah. much. And, yeah. um, it, uh, and your, your mom surfed too? Yeah. That's so, that's so crazy. That's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we got 80% of the population lives on the coast. It's just too, it's too yeah. harsh in the middle of Australia. But yeah, I mean, we, surfing would be sort of top three, top two sports in the country. Um, yeah. yeah. Everyone just, yeah, it's, it grows up, uh, has grown up pretty close by to the, the coastline and surfing's did, surfing's did you guys get party. into any other sports besides surfing in um like you know like team sports uh yeah actually um we all played cricket is that uh, the, the number one sport in the country rugby oh rugby is yeah footy footy, footy. yeah nrl and and cricket right they're probably the top two um bowling lawn bowling <laughs> that's pretty popular there too <laughs> balls, it is super popular um but yeah we all love cricket we all played cricket um but the middle brother he was like queensland level uh, like state level cricket he sort of he had a decision to make when he was like 17 um to do the professional longboarding or or um stick to the cricket and he obviously went with the the beach yeah um, we talked about how surfing ruins like <laughs> a lot a lot of careers yeah. yeah 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 and back then it was the oxbow world tour world onboarding tour so yeah my brothers went and did that for a couple of years until that that sort of disappeared um and went under but um yeah cricket was probably the second second sport in line for us um but yeah we didn't we all loved we actually all loved to play golf but we didn't pick up golf until later yeah um but yeah growing up a lot of a lot of weekends at the cricket um especially with the three of us all in um different teams different age groups it was, yeah a lot of time at the cricket it was either i think it once once a month was long was male club and then um yeah, the weekends was at the cricket. Yeah. Did did Seb uh ever surf contests too or yeah. 
Yeah, we all we all surf the malcomps. Um, are you all goofy? Uh, regular foots? All regular foots. Yeah, yeah. we are. And how, uh, how can't you be on all rights? I know, right? <laughs> the land rights. <laughs> I know. It's gonna be funny. Just we've all got yeah, two kids now, so it's just interesting to see um, how they take to the water and, and which way they want to stand up and stuff. It's it's funny. Yeah, but we're all ready. You guys are fortunate. You had both surfing parents and you being the youngest kind of, you know, probably progressed faster than, than, than your siblings. Right. Cause you're yeah. trying to keep up with them. Oh, I just wanted to play catch up. I just wanted to be a part of the big, the big, big kids crew. And um, yeah, that pushed me massively. I think that, 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 that was like the driving force. I think that sort of pushed me and sort of helped me sort of excel to like places that I never dreamt of um is is being the youngest of, of three boys for sure that was yeah. when did when did you make the transition from like longboard to shortboard at what age um well i i'd say when i was 14 i signed with quicksilver 14 yeah when i was 14 wow and that and, was, and and you signed for Quicksilver for longboarding? Uh, for both. For both. I was, I was sponsored by O'Neill when I was nine. Um, Damn. And they they sort of sponsored me just as the token little brother. My my two older brothers were already sponsored by O'Neill. And um, we went along to a photo shoot in Byron Bay. And um, they were just like, God. Oh, and I was, you know, surfing with them and stuff. And they're like, oh, can we just, you know, add the little brother onto this? Can we add the cute little brother? <laughs> yeah. So I got, so I got towed into that, which was, which was unreal. Um, which led to like, yeah, doing snowboard, snow, their snow catalogs, like snowboarding uh, in Switzerland uh, as this like snowy head, little surf tan, yeah. surf Le Grom uh, in the snow over in Switzerland doing, O'Neill shoots, which was amazing. Had my mum taking me over for that. Um, it's funny. Yeah. We didn't realize O'Neill was that big in, in Australia, you know? And and Europe. Europe's huge. Yeah. 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 I don't know if you know Rama McCabe, but um, the guy that started Banks Journal, he, yeah. he was on our podcast and he was, you know, he told us he rode for them and worked for them back in the day. And I was like, wow, O'Neill. Like, you know, you would never thought in yeah. the land of Australia that O'Neill was, you know, a strong yeah. brand for a little while there. It was, it was interesting. I was, it was actually, we were under like O'Neill Europe um, and we would get like all the, all the product from Europe. So like, <laughs> as a drum, it was classic. Like we we're getting like these three quarter shirts and like, like so Euro style, sink bunch of singlets, and then like tank tops. Yeah, tank tops and the board shots with like the built-in undies and stuff. And like, if you remember how oh. we cut those out? Prototypes for Rivia pro projects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was radical, um, but. Yeah, the O'Neill days were, that was um, sort of, yeah, my first sponsorship and it was, yeah, tacked on with the boys. Um, but then when I was 14, I... Can I, can I ask you a question? So when, when you're nine years old, 
you're surf you were surfing pretty good already because i mean you've been surfing for a long time right yeah was there other groms like you like who who were the grom who was your rat pack besides your brothers um yeah still just like my really close friends that i have now um we there was a there was a group of us even like my best friend who who filmed the revere projects uh, movie the the clip that just came out with the launch of the brand jimmy um he's been yeah one of my best friends since like we were four or five and he was a part of the pack and then um we just yeah we we surfed boogie boards and whatever type of board we could get our hands on and we all just did the same thing nobody no i don't know back then nobody really looked at each other like someone was better than the other um yeah I think I got really lucky with having two older brothers that were really good, um, yeah. and I and and that sort of really made me um, try and like catch up and like progress a lot quicker than um, maybe some of my friends that were in that group. Yeah, but um, yeah, they still surf, but but none of them went on professionally or anything. They just sort of stayed on the coast and they still ride longboards and shortboards and whatever they want to ride these days. And I, we, we all surf together still. So that's really cool. But, it's um, it's, it's yeah. interesting, you know, that I find that interesting because I'm not from, I didn't grow up on the beach like you and late night over here. And it's, you guys are so lucky you had that, right? Like, and, and even though your other friends live, had the same kind of uh, opportunity. opportunity you're you still rose above that's so crazy to think so certain people just have it in them you know like yeah. your brothers sure like help push you and stuff but you took it to a different level you know yeah yeah it's interesting to to learn how that happens yeah because you know? your, your friends probably put as much time in the water as you did you yeah. know and you're they're out there every day and like Lyndon said it's it's you know, some people just have a knack, you know, yeah. to, to progress. Yeah, that's it. I just, I think even when I think back to when I was really young, those first memories, like, I just don't think I was ever, like, comfortable with, like, where I was at. I just always wanted to be, like, you know, following my brothers out the back and, you know, I just wanted yeah. to be, like, accepted into that, like, into there yeah. sort of thing. Um, so that that always, like, motivated me but it was always like it wouldn't really matter how good i got it was always like oh you're just a little brother you still suck like yeah it's it's tough love it's crazy to think you know like you're not thinking any of that when you're younger you like all you're thinking is like i want to be a good surfer i want to be as good as my brothers and here you are you know getting lucky and and but you're talented you're ripping and you get on O'Neill because of your brothers, right? Yeah. And like for for other people, like you know, they got to put do portfolio, they got to do a, a a video, a, a sponsor me resume. Yeah. Did you have to do any of that or no way? I didn't. No, <laughs> which is amazing to think back and think about that for sure. What did um, they say? Uh, silver spoon fed over here? Yeah, man. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Just to let you know, Jules, I, 
I hate you and Larson <laughs> with yeah. the natural talent you fuckers have had. Yeah. Hey, Give it to you. A lot of hard work. <laughs> a lot yeah. of hard work, exactly. So, so you you think when you were fourteen, like getting that Quicksilver sponsorship was a game changer? You know, like because Quicksilver was obviously the probably one of the biggest brands there. Yeah, yeah. I was actually um, I was like straight into it straight into the deep end really like straight into a photo shoot on the gold coast with jeremy flores uh and slater um at kira and i just like that was like my first introduction to like oh here's your stickers and you know here's some boardies and we want to get a couple of photos with with you and slater and jeremy at the beach and like that was just like yeah that that was that was um the next level (laughs) Yeah, I mean, geez. Um, So backtrack a little bit. Did you, at nine years old, were you? Did you start surfing shortboard and longboard contests and and doing well, finishing in the in in the finals and stuff? Or um, I don't think I would have surfed a short. I was definitely like on the longboard, and I was like winning um, the Noosa Festival of surfing um, from like. I don't know. I think I won it five years in a row or something. Um, <laughs> at a super young age. Um, so I did was, you travel up and down the coast to other contests, or uh, we traveled to? There was we'd only traveled to the longboarding events. And there was one on the Gold Coast called the Malfunction. There was one at Byron, um, and there was one at Crescent Head, and that was like our our family holidays slash contests um for the year that we'd all just we'd all go together which was which was amazing memories um so not that many contests though no oh well that seemed like a lot especially back then and yeah just like yeah dad being a tyler and money was you know not that not not that um available to us to to go and do that sort of stuff so it was like a very like big privilege to go and do those events and um we just pile in the van and and head down the coast which was yeah i mean like these days or even looking back at like a a, just a shortboarding trajectory like competition wise and stuff like four events four events is like just seems like nothing these days um no kidding yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah for sure i mean we we grew up and it was a contest every weekend if you wanted to surf one every weekend you could go and surf an event if you you know and you didn't have to travel that far i mean maybe yeah. an hour you know up or down the coast and yeah it was easy it's it's interesting yeah. to hear how about when you were shortboarding was there a lot of contests with shortboards or uh when i when i got into the shortboarding i would have been I'd say maybe 12, 13, first, first had a go on the shortboarding like contests and stuff. And um, in Australia, we had like one premier like event called the Rusty Grom Fest and that was at Lennox. Um, and that was like the event and like kids would come from Western Australia and South Australia from all over for that, that one weekend. Um, and I remember- There were no ratings. You just had to pay your entry and show up and, yeah exactly and it was like the yeah they could i remember like six man heats and like 15 minutes or 20 minutes and like it was like six foot and i think every division except for maybe the six things 
like couldn't make it past the reforms and like like, the beach atlantics isn't sand it's all pebbles it's all rocks so like the reforms were on rocks so it was like and then we're doing runarounds on the rocks um but yeah that was that was like first real introduction to the the shortboard scene um how did you do at that event that first event um i i don't know if i ever I never, I think I, I did it about three years, maybe 12 and under was my first year. And then I did it up to like the, the 14s, but I, I don't remember, I might've made the final one, one year. Um, but I was pretty overwhelmed by the shortboarding um, at that age. I was just like, I kind of, there was a couple of events on the Gold Coast, like at D-Bar, I met Geordie and Jeremy. Um, around that time like 13 14 as that sort of the transition came to quicksilver and there was a bit more of a focus on the shortboarding but oh i remember geordie at d-bar like just towering over me like twice the size of me and like <laughs> at this like it was like he already surfed as good as parker and i was just just couldn't believe how good he was and i mean he just about turned me off shortboarding i think he was just so, <laughs> he, was so, he was so like confident and like cocky mature mature cocky oh dude and i was just like nah this is not my scene like i'm going back to the sunshine coast i'm gonna ride my mouth for you know sharing scaring and things are a, a bit more relaxed um but it was yeah it was straight into the deep end geordie as a as a youngster was just like in his own world um yeah in his own league um but yeah that was like growing up on the sunshine coast was very um sort of relaxed in the water a lot more longboarding the waves at noosa are a, a lot more of a longboarding wave than a high performance like gold coast point break short shortboard sort of wave um and there was always sort of that that sort of stigma between the two it was like sort of laid back sunshine coast that you'd be thrown in with the wolves sort of thing and like fight your way fight for your waves and and your place and everything um so yeah that yeah what's a trip is you didn't surf a lot of amateur contests even shortboards then right um no i didn't um not 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 until later because you're talking about uh, Jordy, and I think his he grew up surfing a lot of contests, and Jeremy too probably surfed a lot of contests. Yeah, it's right? just, I, I find it like crazy that they're that young and they're over in Australia, like yeah. competing. You know, because you know, they're grooming they're, themselves. Well, they're they're from they're, Europe and South Africa, and they're in Australia surfing an event. Yeah, because yeah. there's way more competition, and they're 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 the top of their you know, game in, in their respective countries. And yeah. you in surf like world, there wasn't that much competition. And no. you were like one of the best competitors ever. So it's it's kind of shocking to me how, you know, may, yeah. did you did you surf all the board riders clubs events? Is there like a, a bunch of board riders clubs events that you did? No, I never I've never been a member of Board Riders Club. So, what? Yeah, that's like 
that's yeah very rare but obviously because i grew up on the longboard and in the mal club and the shortboard club was like sort of the a lot of drinking and it was aggressive and it was like mum wouldn't let mum was like nah like you're not being a part of that like oh I, we would have been in that club i guess <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, and that, so yeah just i didn't get that that competition um I wasn't in that environment. Like on the longboarding, at the longboarding events, it was like you would just be sitting at the back and like literally like whose turn is it? Like it was always like in all no. and like. Yeah. Um, that is, is really wild to hear. Yeah, you, you grew you know? up you grew up in the country almost, you know, versus yeah. like the, the, the crazy surf city. Yeah. What was that? What you know, the junior program, you know, I guess when you're a teenager, you know, 14, maybe younger, but more like that 16 age, were yeah. you were you traveling and competing in all those? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was 16, maybe did like just the one or two of the pro, we had the pro junior series, which like yep. at, at the time was the premier like 20 and under events in the world like we had D'Souza and Geordie and Jeremy and um Kakao Bacalso and D'Souza all that everyone would come here to do the the junior series because it was just there was prize money it was good event it was good waves um but like so when I was 16 I sort of had my first introduction to that um but then when I was 17 I probably did the full series. I think there was, I want to say, close to 10 events around Australia. Wow. Um, so that was like. Is there yeah, money in those events? There was money in those yeah. events. Yeah. It was like 20 grand, I think, um, for a win back then. Wow. Yeah. Wow. At that level. So, yeah, that's like everybody would come far and wide to do to do that series. Um, but so you finally got the work then is that what you're telling us <laughs> i did yeah i did um yeah i did i just kind of probably the like 19 um 19, 20 was when i really sort of i felt like there was pressure to like you know live up to to represent the like Quicksilver for, you know, actually I was making some money then and stuff and like the pressure really turned up and like, um, I'll, I'll probably put it down to like, okay, say when I was 18, 17, turning 18, my brothers were at the time doing the world longboarding tour, um, the Oxbow World Tour. And at that time, that tour fell over and like Bart went to California and was like driving up and down the um, West Coast, up, up and down the coast selling longboards for the Australian longboard shaper that, that sponsored him. And he just had this Dodge Ram filled with longboards going up and down the coast trying to sell those. That was like his, you know, when the, when that tour stopped, it was like, okay, go and try this. And Time to get to work. Seb sort of came back home. And I just remember like, just at that age, just like going, okay, well, there's like, I can't give back to the family for what they've 
for like what mum and dad's putting to me on a longboard. There's no money. There's like, it's, there's, it's not an option. So there was like a, there was a real turning point for me to go like, okay, I, I really want to, you know, provide for the family. I want to give back. I want to, yeah, make some money. Um, I'm going to have to like, yeah, get in this uncomfortable space of like the, yeah. the dog eat dog shortboard world and, and give it a good honest crack. And, and that was probably, yeah, that was the turning point for me to kind of, yeah, put the longboard aside. Um, and, and obviously at that point I had some, like some amazing exposure and opportunities through Quicksilver with the young guns and, um, and like, to be sharing like movies uh, with the pros and stuff. Like I got a lot of confidence out of that to think that like I had a, a future uh, on the shortboard. So yeah, it was a, I was late to the party definitely on the shortboard, but it was like the motivation to, to provide um, an income sort of for the family and, and show that appreciation for what they had, the upbringing that they had given us. That was like where, where my focus went and what I wanted to do and achieve. And, and that's even, yeah, it's funny, like just like chasing a world title um, of, of, you know, the last five years really wanting to get a world title. It's, it was just, it was crazy to me because like I never thought about that, like, you know, until so late. Um, so it wasn't something that I grew up like manifesting and like, I've, yeah. got, I've got to have this. I'm going to be like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, that's, that's the dream. That's what I'm going to work for. But it was something that just manifested and I created like on my own, like there was never a pressure of from my parents or my brothers or anything to achieve anything more than I was yeah. doing. It was just like a natural evolution. And then, you know, it just became super clear that like, I felt like I had the ability to go for a world title and potentially get one. And like, that was like what I needed to yeah. you know, put all my eggs in that basket. Yeah. Do you, uh, I mean, you, you, you mentioned young guns and getting like some video exposure and stuff. Was, was there a push during your like youth of like doing video parts and getting magazine shots? Was that important or was it really contest driven? Um, oh, I mean, getting introduced, uh 15 to the the young guns two boat trip the mega one um that like definitely like set me up for you know a love for like filming and photos and good waves and that that was you know definitely lit the fire and and set the appetite um yeah yeah there um but then yeah i guess just my older brothers, it was sort of ingrained in me, the competitive side. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but, you know, it's like I think people really don't take that in consideration of when you're filming with a group of peers and, and like-minded rippers and you guys are on a trip. It is like a competition. Like that jersey's on every session, all day, every day. And even yeah. though you're not – there's no time and you're not competing for that. But you want to one up. But you, everybody on that boat or everybody yeah. on that trip, right? you know, and, and that, I think, I think that's, I mean, really important. And, it, and, it, and it, I think it enhances, you know, the whole level of surfing who you're with. And, and it, it's just a different, it's a different competitiveness. So I, I want to go back and ask you what, what, 
what longboards were you riding when you were, you know, at the height? Um, at the height, my height was probably the peak of my longboarding. I was 14, 15, 15, and I won that. 14 or 15, I won the under 18s Australian longboard title. Nice. Um, and that was, I was on McTavish then. Um, Bob, Bob McTavish had made me um, a really nice board. It was, it was just an eight footer. Um, and yeah, he, and then I, I had a, yeah, a couple of nine footers off Bob. Um, and before that, there was a guy, um, Peter White uh, from Noosa that was um, classic Malibus. But um, yeah, just it was funny with the longboards. Like one one a year would do me, or like maybe two. You know? <laughs> Shut up! That's it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Those yep. tanks unless I break. Unless I broke one, but like generally, yeah, they would they would last a really long time. And and yeah, we were paying like. Um, for, we get a, a, a deal, but we we'd be paying for them, and yeah, couldn't really be wasting them. <laughs> couldn't couldn't yeah. be, um couldn't be breaking them. But uh, yeah, it's it funny. A friend um was clearing out their house that they sold um just recently, and just brought down like one of the the very first longboards that I had shaped for me um from the guy from Noosa, Peter White. Which nice. Is, uh, yeah, in my dad's garage. It needs some love to get back to back in working order but yeah it's yeah. pretty classic to see that. that that's so surprising like you'd think that um you know longboard i guess if they don't need the you know the advertising or make less money i guess you know they're, they're in the driver's seat with giving out boards but um so what about shortboards what 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 were the first short shortboards you were riding uh well the first time I experienced like a, a good, like small shortboard um, was actually Ryan Hackman. Uh, you know, Ryan Hackman, Jeff Hackman's son. Yeah. Ryan Hackman. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah he, they would, they would come to Noosa every year and remember Ryan could have these uh, JCs um, like John Harper's. Yeah. Custom. Um, like five fives and five fours and I'd just like whenever he wasn't surfing I'd just always be like dude can I just do a lap can I do a lap and so that was the first time I experienced like a, a, a high performance shortboard a legit high performance shortboard that was like yeah like five five or five four um and then I had my first custom shortboard when I was oh yeah maybe about nine and that was a five five peter white shaped um the same guy that shaped me the longboards at that at that age so um yeah it's pretty cool i, I mean my first custom shape at nine was a five five that's that's these days it's probably a four five yeah <laughs> for <sure>. yeah <laughs> yeah unless you're a size geordie <laughs> yeah yeah He's right at six foot two. <laughs> no, he's never really. Uh, you had a lot of skate influence. You're a good skateboarder too, right? When did you, you skateboard your entire 
you've skated my whole life yeah no. i would have spent more time on a skateboard as a as a grom for sure than than surfing um we have a skate park just down the street from the house that i grew up in um and i would yeah literally like after school um just skate down to meet my mates with a surf with my shortboard under my arm and just set up at the skate park which was on the beach and if the waves were fun we'd surf and the waves were average yeah no kidding (laughs) average we just skate um but yeah spent heaps of time just ratting around the streets and eating shit on skateboard break breaking your wrists or ankles um no never on skateboard sprained sprained wrist a few times um but yeah, I think with all the things I love doing, I I never want to not be able to do the other things. So I'm yeah. always like in this space of yeah. like enjoying it, but being calculated. So what was uh what was your first shot in the mag? Do you remember? Um, first like, shot in the mag, printed action shot or like a team advertising. I think. This is probably right. Um, I would have been like six or seven, uh, and my brothers were sponsored by Okanui. Okanui, the the floral flower like cotton surf shorts. You remember those? No, kinda. I think, yeah, uh, they they're actually making a comeback, but they were massive in Australia. They were like a cotton like surf short with like drawstring and. They were the worst things to surfing. They went down below your knees and, like, you just get instant chafe, like, and they get so heavy and, like, I remember they'd just be, like, embarrassingly falling pretty much off me when I was trying to surf in them. But, yeah, I'd be able to find it, but there's a photo. Um, I'm in there, like, the token grommet with my brothers and a couple of the other team riders with, like, the longboards behind our back standing at the beach with the waves <laughs> in the background. Um, that would be, yeah, the first, first shot. Um, I think, um, first like one pager of me surfing though was possibly Vans. Um, Vans? Yeah. Doing a, I was hanging five in a pair of Vans classics. Um, at first point they, um, yeah, I'm not sure how it came about, but um yeah i was sponsored by vans um at that same like very early age like nine um when around the same time as the o'neill thing um that wasn't i can't remember if that was a family thing as well if the boys were on vans as well i think they (laughs) might have been but um yeah someone just got a yeah they got a photo i i think i just did it i was skating uh at the just as always like um when i wasn't surfing and i was i don't know it was my idea or mum's idea or someone but yeah i just paddled out on my longboard with my shoes on and was like trying it out and they got a photo of me hanging five um on my longboard in a pair of band shoes yeah and they ran it as like a one page ad i remember it was like so it wasn't set up you didn't nobody said hey go put these on and go get you know it was just kind of just happened. Uh, it just happened around the time of the Noosa, like, um, 
Noosa Classic, the Noosa Festival, the Mal the Mal Comp, when like all the everybody is here in town. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it just happened. Yeah. So your that first shot of the mag was was you impromptu wearing your van's shoes and, and hang yeah, hanging five at first point. I, That's epic. Yeah, literally just coming off the this skating yeah. on the sidewalk at the point there at cool Noosa. Uh, and um yeah, just going for a have a go. Um surfing with the shoes on. So you live in paradise. What was your first like out of the country surf trip? First out of the country surf trip. Uh, Hawaii. Nah, right. Hawaii. Hawaii was Indo. Nah, I want to say. I'm just checking off the list of all the cool spots. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Indonesia, uh, Bali. It couldn't. My my first surf trip overseas before Quicksilver might have been the Young Guns trip. Wow. Mental wise. Yeah. Um, what? Well, you were like 15. 15. Yeah. Yeah, Young Guns too. I was. When you live in Australia, you don't really have to travel like out of the country to go surf good waves. It's right. just, there's good waves uh, everywhere. No, but mental wise is mental. Yeah. yeah. That was, yeah, that was a trip. So, so Jules, you're, you're, you're very humble and, and you're like, you know, you, you don't surf a lot of contests, but you start riding for Quicksilver, right? Cause your brothers wrote for Quicksilver, right? Um, the boys come to Quicksilver. No. Okay. Was... So you, you got on Quicksilver on your own? Yeah. Okay. And how did that come about? Uh, it's a great question. Um, Hear that, Laura? <laughs> yeah. They just handed it to him. <laughs> <laughs> they came a knocking. Hey. Yeah. I, um, yeah, the, the opportunity just, just presented itself. I guess I was just doing my thing. I don't know. I Like nobody introduced you. They already knew, they knew about you. Um, no referrals to Ryan Hackman. Nah, <laughs> nah, it wasn't through Ryan. Um, I, I didn't, there wasn't a, yeah, there wasn't a, but they sponsored you for like shortboarding or both. Longboarding um, definitely more shortboarding thing yeah. Yeah, yeah for them um but yeah still the longboarding stuff too like um yeah i used to we used to have like skippy steven slater like come and crash at our house for the longboarding nice. at noosa and uh and and obviously i yeah was a massive fan of skippy surfing his longboarding um and so, yeah, it's funny, like my sort of who I was looking up to, like around those uh, before becoming a teenager, really, like my child, like early childhood, like was kind of Bonga Perkins and 
Bonga Perkins. Yeah, Bonga. Yeah, it was like my favorite when he'd come to Noosa and surf, surf at, at the Noosa event. Um, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that. Well, he's a longboarder, yeah. you know, yeah. but he, yeah. he charged pipe and back door and, and yeah, I mean, Makaha, obviously, he, you know, yeah. he, he was the man at a lot of spots. Yeah, he was just a waterman and he was such a lovely guy always to me from what I, every, from my earliest, earliest memories of meeting him, you always have a couple of spare stickers and some encouragement and stuff. And I, yeah, I, um. Yeah, I'd fan out on Bonga big time and, and Skippy and uh, Jimmy Gamboa. Um, wow, yeah. He, yeah, he, they'd, all, they'd all come and stay at our house and I'd get to surf with them and get beat up by them. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, there was, there was no real one person that introduced me to Quicksilver. Um, I think... It was funny, like, so I was like 14 and I was with O'Neill when I was nine. Um, and I, it was just kind of that O'Neill Europe thing where, like, I was a grom and I just wanted to, just like, I didn't, all I cared about was wearing like a cool pair of board shorts. And like, <laughs> I'd just be like, Mom, like, I know, like, this is awesome, but like I just want to wear a cool pair of boardies that aren't three quarters, that aren't short shorts, or like don't have these built-in undies. Like I remember I, there was there was one stage there that I I did we I went and bought a pair of uh, rusty board shorts from the local surf shop that I had my eye on for like so long, um, and it was it was basically just that it was just like getting into a pair of board shorts that i was just psyched on just like yeah cool, How, like, it's we talk about like you know mm -hmm. being sponsored right and and being a a young kid in school knowing that you're sponsored and you're kind of you have know, that sticker on your board just yeah being, being cool you're like dude you know you're, you're like the coolest kid in school right because you're getting free shit yeah. right you're like and your mom and your parents are like damn man mike you know they've got three kids that are all sponsored that that's a great, that's a great perk. Absolutely. You know, that's a, a load off their, their wallets. Right. Big time. But for, for, you know, like being a kid, you're nine years old and you're got O'Neill stickers and O'Neill boxes. But then, but then again, you're like, I can't wear these board shorts and shorts. <laughs> <It's>, these, <laughs> you're gonna get you have to buy a pair of rusties to feel uh, so funny. Yeah, so you get picked on. Yeah. Was there was there a local surf shop that you guys were affiliated with? You know, like everybody has their little hometown shop that they obviously um, grew up in or hung out. Yeah, we we didn't really like have one that the Groms would go and hang out at. Um, but we had free time surf at Coolum, and uh, we would go in there a lot, like just to check out, like yeah. the latest bags, prop out, yeah. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like a um, we we wouldn't like group together and just be hanging out there and you know getting some free wax or any of that that sort of thing. It was just sort of in and out. Um, they weren't really like a surf family that owned the surf shop, so it was always kind of a bit like they had the cool stuff in there, but it wasn't a cool place to hang out. Get out of here, kids! You're ruining our vibe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna. So you're about 14 when you when you started riding for Quicksilver. Yeah, 
and and right off the bat, you went to the mentalize for young guns, yeah, yeah, straight into yeah. it. So, how, what was that like? Getting a phone call and having that guy, whoever the team manager was, saying, "Dude, Julian, we're we're gonna film you with who was on that trip? It was um, it was Gabriel, 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 no, no." No, it was um, it was Slater, Freddie P, Troy Brooks, uh, Marzo, who, Marzo, Marzo, Jeremy, Rye Craig, yeah, Dane, uh, Alan Ryu, um, I think that's everyone. Solid crew. Jeremy and Jeremy. Yeah. Um, I mean, how mind-blowing is that to hear that kind of, you know, news? Hey, you're going to go on a boat trip with these dudes and Slater. Oh, dude, I, I just – I remember watching the first Young Guns and just watching Jeremy in that and just, like, having my mind blown, just, like, his little boards and, like, those amazing waves and, like, how good he was and, like, just going far out. This dude is – in his own league like imagine being you know that good that you could surf with those guys in those waves um yeah so it was it was like extremely surprising to get that call up and um yeah and then we got Is like that when you started wearing puka shells though mate, <laughs> I, was in, I was in puka shells from like before i could say i wanted it or not um <laughs> I was. Are you gonna bring it back though, Jules? Oh yeah, like just through my kids. <laughs> yeah, you got to. Yeah, I'm gonna start wearing it, dude. I'm uh, gonna start wearing puka shells. They're shelf. so good. They're rocking so, it. They're rocking them. Um, but yeah, no, it was. Yeah, it was an eye-opening experience. Um, it. Yeah. To that talent. Play. That talent, dude. Dane. And Clay Marzo, and yeah. I mean, yeah. you, yeah, I. That's the future of surfing. That was the future of surfing. That was the right next there. generation of of yeah. Yeah, well, Clay. Clay was a year and a half younger than me, and um, like the surfing that Clay was doing, I just was like, I I felt like he was like, almost like. Right up, right up there with Rye and Dane. Like I was just like could not believe how how good Clay was, and I'd never heard of him. Um, that was really funny. Um, Did you know that uh, that's Shane Magnuson's brother? Yes. So yeah. weird, right? Yeah. yeah. So crazy. <laughs> yeah, and at the time, yeah, Shane was on Quicksilver, and he was ripping. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um. So yeah, yo, just. Yeah, straight into it. That 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 was. Did like, you guys along on that trip? Everybody was cool. Everybody was cool except um, Slater, Troy Brooks, um, <laughs> Freddie P, Drew, like Dicks and stuff on Chris Bryan, the uh, filmmaker, <laughs> on his face after he got too drunk on red wine and passed out on the couch. That's what Linda would have done. And Freddie and. Brooke, I convinced everybody on the boat to like say it was me. So <laughs> oh no! <laughs> added in for me, and like 
yeah, I was asleep. I wasn't even a part of it. And I just got that, that, that wasn't that fun, but no, the trip was, it was incredible. And uh, no, it was funny. So, so you, you grew up longboarding, obviously, you, you know, you're one of the best rail to rail surfers. And I mean, a freaking, you know, the above the lip, when did you start like popping airs and doing like more, more progressive, like surfing? Uh, what was your first air? Tell us that. Your first uh, air. First air. I think like just right from the start. I just wanted nine. To, I, wanted, five. I wanted to do ollies. <laughs> just wanted to do ollies. I wanted to get the fins out of the water somehow. I remember just like chop ops was so sick at that time too. <laughs> I like try chop ops every wave. Like I'd just take the shittiest wave to go straight and try chop hop and get the get the fins out of the water. I was just obsessed. Um, like I just riding a shortboard was always like just like how, a to, how to do an air, yeah. Like it was, it was just like, and I'd go from like an eight foot or nine foot longboard, usually. Um, like I'd have the boards at the beach and I'd go from a mal to a shorty, so it felt like an absolute toothpick, even though, like, say it was five five and I'm nine, it's still just. I was like thinking I could do airs and just, I, I never thought, I actually always felt like I really struggled to like draw out a turn on my shortboard for a long time until I got more like 17, 16, 17 is when I felt like I sort of started to draw my lines out a little bit on the shortboard. But before that, I just related the shortboard to like trying to do tricks, trying to, mm. jump, trying to, yeah. You were saying how Bongo was, was your favorite surfer. Who was your like shortboard favorite surfer or who did you want to, who was your inspiration? Um, oh, I good probably, question. I probably, I mean, Kelly Slater, black and white, Kelly Slater, color, were probably my <laughs> two favorite movies. I forget about what, color. One ten, two twenty, or two forty. What was it? Two. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Like, and just I don't know, and and just the crossover, like Kalani riding dirt bikes with Sunny, and um, the golf stuff, and Slater ollieing downstairs, and I don't know, like Slater was incredible surfer, but like just that other stuff really, like I don't know, hooked me. Um, so yeah, I probably looked up to Slater's surfing the most um, in that those early early years. Um, but yeah, I didn't really like sit around watching movies and stuff that much when I was little. I I I was I rode BMX like a lot. Like I spent a lot of time. It's so funny digging digging dirt dirt jumps um just your brothers get you into it no they had no interest in it never Hmm. they never came and dug any jumps or anything just the friend circle that i had um my best mates at school we all just we just loved bmx we'd go to the bmx track or we we built a bunch of our own jumps and stuff and yeah it's either yeah, my afternoons were never at home. It was always just going, throw the school bag in the door and just out. Yeah. I'm out. It's all dark. You're definitely a, a different sort of 
kid than than a lot of kids in Australia or even a lot of kids here. You know, like surf kids, they because most surf kids here don't do a lot of different things. Maybe skateboard, but yeah, skateboarding. You know, you know but, but not yeah. Yep. I mean, it's different times now than, than you know, all the pressure of these kids that yeah. you know, are going to be the next, you know, superstar that they have to just surf, 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 surf. Yeah. Got to have fun. Did, did you compete yeah. on the BMX or just, just for fun? No, I never raced. No, just, um, just yeah, really enjoyed building jumps and jumping bikes. Yeah. <laughs> did you do flips on those things or what? Nah, no, <laughs> not, not on purpose. Definitely not winded myself plenty of times um but no <clears throat> wasn't it wasn't at that at that level and then that led to you riding motorcycles or what i was riding motorcycles well i wanted a motorcycle from as early as i can remember but my parents said that i wasn't able to have a motorbike until i could buy it myself so i got a motorbike when i was 14 but my um Best mate down the street had like a Wee 50 and a Wee 80. So we were, we were doing like, oh, doing laps of the empty block next to my house when I was like eight, seven, eight on his Wee 50. Um, how, how did you afford it? What was your first job? How did you save money to buy Quick that? Quicksilver. Yeah. First time I saw, yeah, like, yeah, contract like with well, proper contract with a little bit of money and stuff. And the first thing I bought was a dirt bike. <laughs> that wasn't in the clause. No, 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 no crazy. <laughs> no, I bought it for my 14th birthday. Yeah. So you started making money at 14 with Quicksilver. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. you realize how unique and and fortunate that is, right? Oh. I, Absolutely. The, I think it was like a six-year, five, five or six-year contract. When you were 14? Yeah. That young, that long. Yeah. Wow. And I think, yeah, I just remember my mum. I didn't have, obviously, a manager or anything. But, yeah, I remember mum looking at the contract and seeing, like, money on it. And she just, like... We're going on vacation. Oh, she just fell apart. She's <laughs> in tears, like couldn't believe it. I, it's got to be so, as a parent, you know, if you think about it from your parents' point of view, because they're they're recreational surfers, but they love surfing, right? And they're, you know, they're blue-collar workers and living the life of surfing and enjoying it, right? And to see yeah. their, their offspring become successful – and each one, you know, Seb's successful uh, longboarding, so is Bart. Yep. And then here you come along, you know, bringing up their rear, but then bringing it even to the next higher level of, of like compensation and, um, gosh, accomplishments, yeah. you know, fame. Like that's got to yeah. be so trippy for your parents, you know? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. My parents were, I mean, they were just, yeah, they just love the beach. Um, yeah. Just whatever it took to sort of provide that lifestyle for their kids. I never, I have no memory of any conversation ever with mum or dad around, like, are you going to just 
ride your shortboard today or are you going to just do this today or like, yeah you know are you going to are you thinking about doing that contest or are you, you they know, just let you run it no nah, i just yeah. always yeah ran my my own ship um and yeah that like was was incredible um obviously um left a really beautiful relationship that i was able to have with my parents and still have um but it was like later in my career like when i was yeah more just out on my own doing like qs in particular like felt like the year that i did the qs was like i really found out a lot about myself like what i wanted um what sort of um resilience i had um losing first heat on one side of the world at you know 19 20 20 20 was the first year i did QS. um at 20 and then you know going to the other side of the world to like regroup and try and get some points to to try and get onto the world tour which like sponsors and stuff are, are expecting of you like and sort of doing it on your own um i really found that like having to like sack up and and do that um deal with those those moments like and and feel like it was my journey was was really important um to not be like you know having to having pressure of my from my parents or like you know i guess guidance in like how it's supposed to be and that sort of stuff it was just me um I guess running my own program out in the big wide world. Um, and I'm thankful that I waited before I did the QS to, to be able to handle that. And yeah. thankfully it only, I was only there for, for, for one season and I was able to qualify, but. Who did you travel um, with? Who was like, who, who were you going solo and just showing um, up? And yeah, I went solo quite a bit. Um, I remember going to Canada to Tofino to the cold water classic solo just yeah books and accommodate really winged it um and then uh just just yeah it was pretty crazy times really like um landing in yet you didn't have a handler or manager or... uh no well but well i had some help just like flights and accommodation to to get there for sure but um yeah, I just got my own rental car when I got in and I remember I got in in the afternoon and then didn't had no idea how far it was to the ferry um, from Vancouver, drove to the, the ferry, was on the ferry, got off the ferry at night, it was like eight o'clock and then I had to drive, I think it was about three hours to the other side of the island to where the contest was <laughs> and like I was, yeah, I was tripping out actually, I was, yeah, obviously on my own and like I actually saw a massive bear going through one of these sleepy little towns that was checking out this bin that was like the height of my car. I was just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. What did I sign up for? <laughs> Where am I at? I signed up for, but those are just the things you do, I guess. And uh, you got to, I think, yeah, you got to be ready, as ready as you can be for that because jumping so, into the deep end, it's like the QS is. Yeah. So, so going back, you, you uh, did the pro juniors, right? Yeah. And, and uh, there's 10 events in those pro juniors and, and you did those for a couple of years. Yeah. I did. And then, and you, you kind of 
had confidence, right? You, you were, people are telling you you're feeling it like, okay, I'm going to tackle the QS. Go qualify. You're going to qualify. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who, who out of that junior series at your age bracket was, was doing the same thing? Uh, no one else did it how I did it. Um, like Wilco, Maddie Wilco, Owen. Wilco was the same age as me. Um, Owen, two year, a year younger. Um, they were already on the CT. They went straight from the, the juniors to the QS and qualified their first year, and then they were on the CT. Um, Damn. Yeah, I, I went from the juniors, um, took a year off, filmed Scratching the Surface, Quicksilver and Red Bull supported me to do that and to not go straight into the QS, which felt like was amazing um, by them at that time. So, so it was their idea to hold off going on tour and just make a movie? Uh, it was my idea, um, but they supported it. Um, yeah. And they were behind it, yeah. So, so yeah, I took it. I took a year off, knowing like what sort of focus and time and energy it would take to to try and get onto the world tour and focus, yeah, on the competition side of things. Now, um, were you were you starting to get any kind of coaching or? Um, I I had I had some coaching like growing up uh around yeah my high school years like 14 yeah everything sort of went a bit more shortboard and like coaching and stuff when I was around 14 13 14 um just locally with a guy named Graham Endersby Eggy um yeah legendary guy um we're, yeah. we're still in contact a lot um but yeah I had bits of coaching with the shortboarding um in, through the pro juniors, not so much. Um, it was crazy. I guess it was different because when I was doing the pro juniors, I, I, it wasn't a be all end all for me. I, I, I enjoyed it, but I still wasn't super sure about it. And I was having opportunities like um, Young Guns 3 um, yeah. to go and film for sort of 12 months and do trips all around the world the way that they set up that that uh young guns three um and then that was that was massive because i got the closing part of young guns three over um dane got the opening section and i got the closing section um and that at at that time was like a huge like booster confidence it's so it's so funny how small that sounds right like first part second part third part last part and we all know in, in in video world, getting the first and last part is the most important parts. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so you you decide to to take to tackle the the QS and did you did you qualify your first year? Yeah, it's a funny story. Um, <laughs> I was filming for scratching the surface and. I was, my plan was to be finished up with that over that 12 months and then focus on the QS. And um, the last trip for the, um, oh, not the last, sorry, like September time, um, that that year, at the end of that year that I was filming for Scratch and Surface, 
I just destroyed my ankle at Rincon. I was over in California and I um, did a I surfed there yesterday. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, so good. <laughs> I um, I went for an air on the inside and hit the backwash as I as I hit the lip and it sort of put me off balance, but I still tried to make it and um, just came down super awkwardly and separated my tib fib like high ankle sprain, but like just pulled it apart. Did a really good job. Oh. Um, so yeah, I that was a good one. That was six to eight months sort of full recovery so i didn't so so then obviously i didn't get to kind of finish the movie properly um and then my first year on the qs i started at the sri lanka qs and that was like almost halfway through the qs season so i kind of didn't have expectation of trying to qualify that year just because i'd missed all the events um but I was lucky enough to have uh, like some wild cards lined up through sponsors um, to get into some, like the Sri Lanka event was a six, six star. Um, and then, yeah, I'll, I actually uh, won that event. So I got a huge sort of boost, like at that point to kind nice. of give me, give me the encouragement to, to still try and make it. And then obviously get me into the other big events. So so yeah, I've only I've only ever spent um, about seven months on the QS, uh, doing the QS in my in my career. Um, and I went into Hawaii. I was fifty six on the rankings, and um, I got second at Haleiwa and third at Sunset. And and then I was the bubble person, and then um, had to watch pipe play out, and then. Um, Tommy Witts actually fell off tour that year in round three at Pipe. And if he made that heat, I wouldn't have made it. But he lost wow. that heat and I got the last spot. woo Yeah. So wait, did you say that in? You got a second at Haleiwa and the third at Sunset? Yeah. And you've Fuck. never been over there before? That was the first time competing there, yeah. Wow. But I, um, Jake Patterson was like, instrumental in that happening snake tails how, how good is he just as a competitor and just a peer supporter for for like whether you're on the same team or if you're an australian like he he's so good incredible yeah he's such a good dude um yes a great great competitive mind um achieved so much um so much with yeah and we had him on the podcast too. I don't know if you knew that. Nah, I didn't. I Fuck, dude. It was such a killer, killer interview. Yeah. 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 He's one of the, yeah, one of the best humans I know. He's done a lot, a lot for me, showed me the way massively. Um, and yeah, he's, he's. Just- so you made the tour by the slimmest of margins and, and Tommy Whitaker falling out got you secured into the WCT. Yeah, exactly. And then it's funny, like uh, just with the way that the tour has changed this year to have the halfway cutoff, my first year on tour, so I had the last qualifying spots. I had the worst seed aside from a wild card for those (laughs) events. 
and I just got so towed up by Mick and Taj and I didn't make I pretty much made one heat up until uh France I want to say um so yeah I would have like 100% be off tour um if it was that halfway cut off but then I made the final in France and then I finished uh 10th yeah I finished 10th so I finished top 10 on the CT by the end of the year damn so yeah and um, those are your spot I mean Australia was a was the kickoff right yeah yeah and just yeah that seed I mean it was different too because I had some uh, some great results there as a wild card with nothing to lose but then when you show up there and you have the same seed pretty much but everything to lose and all the pressure of like sponsorship and stuff um, yeah. it was just a completely different ball game um and i felt like when i was as a wild card it was just like yeah i got nothing to lose like incredible opportunity um i wasn't really ever thinking about proving like my ability or anything like that i just was like you know i'm just like i just throw everything at it and see if i can get like a seven you know like see if i can get a score and like was able to beat Slater and stuff when I was 15, which was really cool. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, when it came around to having a spot on tour, there was, like, a shift of, like, i got to earn my spot, like, against my these guys. Like, and I didn't really know. I didn't have the confidence to think that I had the ability to have to out-surf those top guys. And I was against the top five guys for – those first five events and I was just in the yeah, early rounds in the early season. Oh man. Getting trash. Yeah. But also what happened that year was um, I had to go and do the QS and it was a one world ranking. So if you did good on the QS and you were on the CT, you could elevate your seating, like your rankings that way and then get an easier heat. Actually, I, yeah. J Bay was the first event that I made heats and I, remember I had a heat against Kieran Perro because I got my seeding a bit better after winning um, in Portugal at Ericeira. My, my seeding got better and then I got a little bit of a, a better matchup at J-Bay and then, yeah, I made the quarters at J-Bay and then my seeding just got a lot better and then yeah. I, got on a, I got on a roll. But I got a couple questions. So the best sponsors – is is what you're wearing on your head right now, right? Red Bull. Like yeah. they it seems like they have the best of the best surfers in the world, right? For sure. Best athletes. Best every, athletes, every, every best sport. Like, it's yeah. it's kind of crazy. How did that uh relationship start, if you don't mind me asking? Uh well, yeah, it's been 15 years that I've been Red Bull now. Damn. Um and I was the first contract, surf contract that had dual branding hat. Um, and that was like the deal breaker um, for Red Bull. Um, and that was sort of the moment that my brother stepped in as my manager um, over my mum. Yeah, just because mum was just, you know, everything was amazing because I was making some money and like, but then obviously things get a bit more complicated um, when you get into the details. 
and yeah, Bart's always been very savvy um, with that stuff, and and that was kind of where he stepped in. Um, his longboarding career had like the tour had disappeared and wasn't too sure what he was going to do. Um, and yeah, he kind of stepped in on that, on that deal, uh, on that contract and, and made it happen, which it wasn't going to happen. Um, Quicksilver was just like, no way we're giving up like a patch. We're giving up the hat and just having a Quicksilver patch on the side, like makes no sense to us. We don't want to be doing that. Um, but yeah, Bart was able to, to make that deal happen. And that was the first dual branded, hat contract wow was um yeah which at the time was in, was amazing i was 17 keep, you, keep you, everybody happy you doubled your money you doubled your income you bastard yeah, maybe more <laughs> the yeah 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 nice yeah. going bart yeah they were making a big push into surf at that time it was like when yeah andy and uh, yeah, Andy and I think Andy was. Oh, he never oh, wore a Red Bull hat. I don't think Bruce was wearing a Red Bull hat though. But yeah, when they were in their heyday, just yeah, like the Red Bull boat trips and um, like helicopters. First My first Red Bull sh- like shoot thing was with Bruce and Andy at um at uh, South Stradbroke and. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Someone shooting out of the helicopter um, at South Stratty. We were getting doing step offs into some some crazy waves. It was right before the snapper event. That was that was a great. That's a, such a cool memory. Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't mind if you asked him to sponsor our, uh, the late night with Chalky podcast either. So <laughs> put in a good word. <laughs> I mean, you got 15 years of seniority there, bro. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So. Wow, that's that's incredible, and and um, I hate to jump around, but you know, then after Quicksilver, you went to Nike, right? Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, I went. My contract was up that year that um, I was I did the QS, and uh, I went to the negotiations. I guess sort of started like. I don't know, halfway through that, that year that I was on the QS and it wasn't looking like I was going to qualify. Um, but yeah, but had been talking with Nike and Quicksilver and, and, um, yeah, we'd obviously been talking and, um, Nike was making a huge push into surf, uh, with Nike 6.0. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, I was just a massive, I mean, at that age, I was just a massive fan of of Nike in general, and and all the all the sports that they excel in, and and the opportunity to potentially like elevate surfing with like a, a Nike audience and stuff. It was just extremely appealing to me at the time. Um, it's got to be overwhelming because when you look at you know that you guys are the first Nike surfers that you know were Nike surfers, you, Carissa, and Chloe. Yep. Not, not. And like you were saying, you know, Nike is, is sport. Is I mean, the name Nike, they sponsor or back the greatest athletes of each, you know, sport. 
yeah. Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods. It's just, you know, to, to have your name alongside people like that, it's like, what the fuck? That's crazy. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Julian Wilson on yeah. Nike? Which I hate them coming into our market, but it helped make you guys a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. it, it, they really enhanced the, the budgets and the sport. But they elevated, yeah. 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 They yeah. elevated the the way people look at it. Absolutely. And they were so and probably one of the most appealing things with that was they were so eager to listen to the athletes. It was like it was yeah. literally like what do you love about your products? Like what what literally like writing it down and like wanting to like show us four different variations of like feedback. Um, yeah. So yeah, when when that when Nike was 6.0, um, there was like that was that was a really fun time. There was a lot of creative freedom and. Um, they had a lot of like obviously with their with their manu manufacturing and their materials and stuff that just hadn't really been used in surf. It was fun. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, How long did you ride for Nike? Well, until um, until it became Hurley. Yeah. Um, so I still had, Nike, still had a Nike contract. I think it was. Three years, it was three just, years. yeah. We went from 6.0 and then we went to Nike, just Nike, like the swoosh and Nike on the board. That was, yeah, yeah. That was well, so, sick. I'm not trying to dig dig all the dirt out, but you said you, you might have tripled your money with Quicksilver and Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> now we got Nike money, now you got F you money, yeah. <laughs> Um, I just hope you own a good chunk of um, the coastline over there in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're, you've never been a drinker or anything like that, right? You never party, no drugs, no alcohol. Come on. Um, I've not after a pipe win or, or, or one of your other wins for sure. Absolutely. Like had good times, definitely, but I've never been a consistent yeah, party or drinker or anything. My vices yeah. were always like adrenaline, dirt bikes, and like good waves and skating, and I don't know, just yeah, like, yeah. keeping the mind clean and, and staying busy. Yeah, like yeah, we, healthy. We love that, but we find it strange. Yeah, fair <laughs> that's, that's, that's common. Um, <laughs> So uh, you, you're kind of known for being uh, a jock, like athletic training, you know? Yeah. What, when did you start? Uh, did you do that early in your career or like is that later? Uh, After injury? Yeah. And I think that's why the Nike deal was so appealing. I was coming off like a significant injury and um, putting a lot of time into – obviously my rehab and I felt a lot of pressure at that time because um, just where I was at coming off, yeah, Young Guns 3 and just that first chapter in my career and I was like kind of had set myself up that, you know, to deliver in the second chapter. Um, so there was, yeah, there was a huge desire to be 
as healthy and fit as I could be to like maximize my opportunity. So, and I just Yo, felt shit, man, I'm valuable, man. I got to stay healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I, felt, I felt, I felt, a, I've, I've always felt a huge responsibility to my family, just what they provide yeah. for me. And I've never been able to step out of line with uh, two older brothers. I've always got clipped over the years. So I think, yeah, that's probably where it's come from. Um, just wanting to maximize the opportunity that I've had. And uh, yeah, I'm probably, I'm definitely more on the serious side when it comes. And that's, that's the competition stuff. Like I, I, I really enjoy getting into the nitty gritty of like what's possible um, and, and experiencing some out of body experiences where my surfing will go somewhere that I never thought I could get it or a result happens that, you know, I, I didn't think was achievable until it happened. Um, but yeah, just, yeah, I'm a jock for sure. I, I take things Seriously, I, I like to look after myself. I love doing fun shit, and it requires yeah. it requires um, being being healthy. It's funny because you know the sport of surfing back in the day, all they did to train was surf, you know. Yeah. And then as as there's more money into it, and more of an audience, and more participants, and more at stake, you know, tr uh, training and and making sure. You know, you're not partying too hard. Like people started taking it serious. You yeah. know, yeah. There's guys that trained a lot, but they partied a lot. Yeah. You yeah. know, and then there's yeah. guys that were just trained a lot, and they're like more like your, you know, line with your your vision and and, yeah. and how you took care of it. But like back in the day, people didn't talk about working out. They didn't yeah. want to give the competitor an edge. Everybody was super yeah. secretive. Yeah. What a, you know, a lot of the athletes kind of just did their own thing. Yeah. yeah. Jake Patterson is definitely one of those guys that you're like one of the first guys that you saw that was like or heard about like properly training and like yeah. you know getting their mindset. He he lived he just lives like fast and hard though. Like he'll party hard, train hard, surf yeah. hard. Like he just puts a hundred in everywhere he can. That's um, kind of what, what I am right there. <laughs> kind of like Jake the yeah, snake. I like it. <laughs> party hard not necessarily train hard but <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like it all yeah the yeah. tour the tour changed a lot too when i came in it was like from yeah it being cool to party and be hung over and go out and whack someone in a heat and be like oh yeah i've just smoked you smoked you and i had 10 beers last night and shouldn't have happened sort of thing so, like, <laughs> so then it was like okay that guy's hung over not concerned about him at one bit and then it was yeah. like they just became like yeah if you kind of slipped up and the forecast was saying there was going to be a lay day but then it's not and then like you know you showed up hung over for your heat or something everybody in the competitors area would know we're back. Yeah. I think before I was sort of coming on the tour, it was kind of like, oh, there was a cool group. You know, there was like five or six guys that are just, you know, slinking down to their heats and go out and, and get a couple of big scores and, and, and smash, smash a heat. But that just stopped. Like nobody, I mean, nobody does it anymore. And even like when I first got on tour, there was just a, a really big shift in like how serious people took it on tour to like there was changes on the tour too like with halfway cutoffs and 
um, the tour, the number getting a lot smaller. Um, it just was becoming a lot more professional and there wasn't any room to, to be. Yeah. And you're going to the best waves on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about some of those events. Like what's your favorite stop on tour or was, you know, like what, well, um, favorite? I mean, that's kind of a loaded question because it could be just yeah. the wave or it could be the, you culture. know, the culture and the location. Yeah, definitely. Or both. I mean, my event that meant the most to me and I look forward to the most was Snapper. It was like yeah. the only event, Yeah, the only event that my dad would come to, just he's never flown, never been on a plane in his life. What? <laughs> yeah, so that was the only event that he would he would come to. So that was like extra significant to me. Um and then I always, uh, every year I was on tour, I wore pink board shorts and raised awareness for breast cancer. And my mum's had breast cancer twice. Um, so there was a great amount of meaning in raising awareness for, for breast cancer and supporting my mum at that event. So, yeah, it was the most significant event for me. Always had. I, I always thought you liked dudes or something. You like pink so much. Just kidding. No, we 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 all know that. Yeah, you you'd wave that flag and 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 celebrate your your you know ambassadorship and partnership on on promoting. I want to see promoting that. I want to see pink or salmon Rivia project trunks. Yeah. Spring twenty three. Yeah. <laughs> that's no, but that's awesome. And, and your mom's healthy now, and she pulled through, and everything's good. Or yeah. yeah. Yeah, mom's great. She has checkups. Uh, she's on 12-month checkups now, gone from six-month ones to 12-month, and she's great. healthy. She's good. Yeah. And she's doing great. So, <laughs> Snapper, any other locations, any event that you were like, I want to oh, win? I didn't realize until I competed there, and I was always so fearful of it, but Pipe um, yeah. definitely became – Probably my favorite competitive competition wave. Um, just like, yeah. You had two, two to four guys out in the water. Yeah. When, when is yeah. that ever going to happen there? <laughs> I know, but when it's 15 feet and you're like, oh, I'd love those 40 people to come back. <laughs> so are we talking about the final with you and Gabriel? Um, oh, just... Just, I mean, the event in general, like yeah. going from complete fear to like actually enjoying it um, and looking forward to it. And then like the more time that I spent on tour, the more I realized just how fair of a competitive location, like wave that is from like small <laughs> to large, lefts, rights, yeah. like guts, technique, it all factors in. Um, and, and and that's why, yeah, I, I was always like, you know, it made so much sense to me that it was the title decider because you go left, you go right, points, beaches, everything all year, and then you come to like the ultimate TP reef-like wave to to decide, you know. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's either ecstasy or agony, right? Like yeah, those waves are con consequence. It's disgustingly brutal that wave, like. Yeah. You can take that, that. Yeah, that final you guys had was fucking one of the most memorable finals, right? Am I thinking the right contest? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, because you won that one, right? 
I won that one, yeah, and I had to win to win the triple crown. Because right now I'm 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 uh, playing in my head where that dude uh, Gabriel got that back door that was like, oh my god, you know. And then I think you after got an oh my god wave too, right? No, I started the final out with like a nine six seven. I got okay. Like a- a backdoor wave that just yeah took the whole wreath and it was like one of those just uh, freak ones that come together like that so i started like with a bang i remember i fought so hard to have the inside for the rights and he was kind of looking left still a little bit at that time but it was mostly like the big scores are on the rights and yeah he just won his first world title like in the semis i think and um and I was just like, yeah, I made sure that I was on the inside for the right, got the start that I'd hoped for, had nine, six, seven. And then, like, before the pressure could even start in any way, he dropped the 10. He had, like, a foamy, <laughs> foamy like, just You're like, oh, shit. freaky one that he came out that? of um, that, like, probably if I didn't start with the score I started with, it wouldn't have been a wave that he would have looked at. Um, but that's just the nature of competition Um, and he's one of the greatest. But um, so that was like the first exchange and then it came down to the final exchange, which was like in the last minute Um, and everything in between, he backed up his score and and I needed like an 8-5 for a long time, but then... um, yeah, the final exchange it came came down to it, and I got a right, got the highest score, um, and he got a left and got a high score as well. But I just got the highest score to to win, and we found out like on the beach, like as they deliberated the scores and stuff. But that oh, was hard. I was I was um, in the triple crown race with Dusty Payne, and he he. Uh, he beat me at Holly Eva. I got second, he got first, and then he made the final at Sunset. I made the quarters, so he had a massive lead on me. And then he lost in round three at Pipe, and then I had to win Pipe to win the Triple Crown. So Double whammy. Yeah. When it rains, it pours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, just, I remember being in the final just, like, trying so hard not to think about that, just, like, keeping it like tuned in to where I was where I was at. It was just like, you know, like to be so close to a triple crown and be so close to a pipe masters and could potentially not get either of them was just like Oof. you know, just had to had to had to let that one where there's a will, there's a way. So I know you've talked about this probably a lot. You've probably been asked how that about this day. Uh Larson's got it. In his notes here, I mean, holy shit. J-Bay final. J-Bay, Mick Fanning, Julian Wilson, man in a gray suit. Crazy. Yeah, ruined. I mean, final. I I mean. You're in the final. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pumping. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I had, yeah, I had like a 6-5. I had the first wave and then I was paddling back out. Well, I actually wasn't paddling back out. I was sitting like where my first wave ended because I fell off 
I was on my way to a really big score and I got ahead of myself and was just feeling it way too hard and I caught a rail um, and I fell off and I still got a 6-5 and then I was like left. We sort of battled for the inside at the start of the final so we kind of went further up than we wanted to um, and then I got that wave and then I was like kind of in a really good spot for like if a set came so I didn't really go back towards me but I was watching him sort of hoping that he'd stay where he was um, and then like next minute yeah he how far was, apart were you guys separated like a hundred yards 100 yards yeah 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 so, so crazy for those for those that haven't been to Jay Bay like you explain how one good the wave is but how much sea life is on that coast like it you know like to see sharks or whales or dolphins it's that's just part of seeing a wave like it's that yeah that crazy yeah it's non-stop yeah like yeah whales literally come in almost to the lineup like that yeah. doesn't happen anywhere else um, yeah but and it's so hot dolphins could be like a half hour you know like oh yeah hour. Yeah, and they're actually legitimately scary. There'll be like 20 or 30 of them surfing the waves and if you're paddling back out the back and like it's happened before but it doesn't happen too often but like if they time their jump wrong when they're surfing those waves, like you're cactus. You're, <laughs> you're getting cactus. body slammed. You are cactus, yeah. It's so alive. Every, every day there's everything just kind of comes to the surface so here you are you two you're 100 yards away from them you just caught a wave and you're you're in a final not thinking about anything except for getting another good wave right yeah. and you look out when did you see it or what how did it how did it happen and how far into the heat was it it wasn't that far into the heat right no it wasn't far into the heat at all i I would say maybe seven minutes. Um, and yeah, we were both very like tuned up, ready for the final. We had obviously like a lot of momentum and everything was feeling good and it was like we were peaking. Um, and, and I think that's what at the end of the day was like a significant factor in Mick like being okay in the moment because he was like, <laughs> he, was, well, he, was, he was just ready, you know, like he wasn't just sitting there like bobbing around, like just waiting for a wave. He was like, you know, engaged. So, um, yeah, I was looking up at him. He was looking out the back. Um, I saw the fin come up behind him heading up the point and then um, I saw the th and then, I, I mean, I, yeah, I saw both the fins come up and I was heading up the up the point and he was looking out the back. And then, like, instantly I just saw it just, like, turn. And he was, like, going over, like, a wave at that time. So it was, like, super easy to see him and see the shark. And it just turned and then I just see him, like, turn to it um, as the wave came between us. And, uh, yeah, I was like, it was really clear. And it was really clear that, like, there was no one around except for us. Um, 
and I just started like yeah kicking and screaming and there was a shark boat that's always out there but it's pretty far out but I was just um like trying to yell for the boat but I was paddling towards Mick and um I just did the, yeah. did the beach marshal did the, the the were they yelling through the, they, the mic they the were calling, yeah they were yeah I don't really like remember what what they was what they were saying um yeah. or what was going on from the beach um I don't recall if they went quiet um like on the I think on the webcast they just went silent um and yeah no it was yeah I thought I thought it was going to be um just a big red circle when I like came over that that first wave that came between us and I was paddling towards him but um yeah by then he was off his board his board wasn't near him and he was like trying to swim in and like turning around and like sort of swimming backwards like as if it was going to come up to him sort of thing and he was yelling at me to go in and I was like trying to get to him because I had a board and I just felt like I had some sort of weapon between him and if the shark attacked him but um it was just a completely out-of-body experience and uh it was one that yeah no one needs to go through bro no that was the i i watched it live you know i was watching i was up watching it just tripping out like what the hell is happening right now yeah yeah (laughs) I seriously had tears in my eyes when I saw you fucking paddling towards the the shark. Yeah, I did. I was like, this guy's fucking crazy. I don't think anybody else would do that. Yeah. I mean, there's, (laughs) I don't know, man. You're just, you're probably so adrenaline up, man. If it it was uh, Larson or late night and if it it was Chalky, Chalky would have been on the beach. I would have ran out. I would have been Jesus walking on water. <laughs> Man, I guess you don't know. Nobody knows. Until you're in that position. Yeah. Holy so, shit. And Nick's a close friend of mine. I don't know how much that plays into it as well. Um, but, yeah, it was just, yeah. So so a wave, like, came up and you were paddling towards it. You're like, that might, that, that had to, like, uh, First, you saw the shark going towards him, right? Yeah, I saw it before he saw it, and then I saw it turn, and then I saw him turn, and then it sort of was like they were like, like the board moved, and they saw he kind of got knocked off the board as the wave came between us. Yeah, so scary. Yeah. Did that time seem like it stretched on forever as you're paddling towards him? I felt like I was going backwards, like I was not moving, like. It was so defenseless. Like I was so defenseless. Like I just, like, felt like I wasn't, mo- I wasn't moving in that moment. Yeah, and and you didn't know if like he was maybe missing a leg or anything. Yeah. Like yeah. it was just like so much commotion. Like, could you imagine? Like, and it was a big fucking shark, right? Oh, huge! Yeah. It looked, it, it, it looked a lot bigger than he was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I, that's all I can say. And yeah, there was something about the shark boat that like just didn't respond for a while. I don't know what was going on, but like 
every other time, like we would just always be just lurking around and ready. But for some reason it was not even, I don't even think it was facing our way and just, yeah, it wasn't, the communication wasn't getting to the boat. So crazy. Mm. Jules, you're not saying they staged this whole thing, did they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they opened up. That cake. We gotta get the ratings up. We gotta get the WSL ratings up. Yeah. Q and the shark. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no thanks, dude. You yeah. like? Yeah. It was seriously crazy to watch that go down and to see you paddling as hard as you can towards, you know, death yeah. to help your friend was pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Nuts. Good thing you don't drink. <laughs> you probably did that night. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I I wanted to bring up that, you know, other scary wave on tour, you know, Chopu, you know, yeah. into the road. And I mean, you've won there as well, which is admirable for sure. I mean, that's got to be at the top of your list aside from pipe. And uh, I mean, what a scary wave that is. And you were there. I mean, the tour was there during Code Red. I don't know yeah. what year it was, 13 or 14 or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It was a, um, yeah. Like, explain that wave. <laughs> over eight feet, it turns into something different. And over 15 feet, it turns into something even more. Yeah. That was, um, that was, disgusting <laughs> and, 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 and why did you feel obligated that you, you you the whole tour was stopped and all the big wave guys flew in because they were that's what they do they yeah. they wait and go follow these massive swells and you wanted to go catch one and did right yeah i, I don't know how i ended up in that position i that day i lost the day before in the contest and um i yeah just woke up late that morning was cruising um, and, you knew, and everybody knew like hey the contest is off it's going to be 20 foot or whatever 100 feet whatever yeah yeah so i had like a seven or six ten um was the biggest board i had and i went down to um Perver's house where we were kind of that was it, like where we were hanging out for the event um, and getting the boat jet skiing in and out from. Um, and I just, yeah, showed up and like waves were coming into his backyard and there was so much water moving. And um, I don't know, I just wanted to go out and have a look at it, um, go and check it out. So I uh, just paddled my 610 um, through, through the channel and to get out there and to watch. Um, I ended up watching for like five and a half hours in the channel we spent most of the time next to cj damo and kersey and then there was a few bodyboarders but we were just sitting in the channel like i mean there was so much like adrenaline just to sit there and watch and like there was actually that that one way that um nathan fletcher got that just about closed out the whole channel it capped and like all the boats were like motoring up and we were sitting like under that so if they all came back we were gone um but yeah i was in the channel for five and a half hours just sitting on that board and like thought i watched numerous people die 
<laughs> and I just, yeah, watch Bruce Scorpion on one wave that ripped his pants off that I just thought he just snapped his neck and back and isn't going to resurface. It was, but it was just the craziest stuff was happening. Watch Maya Gabrera, like, I thought she died. She got like a 10, ten wave hold down. Um, 10? Oh, well, she was like hopping up for a second and then down. Yeah. She had two life jackets on. She took like the first wave of one of those sets and it was not a set yet. And um, she, <laughs> oh man, it was the craziest thing, one of the craziest things I've ever witnessed. Um, she, she went to kick out and it was like a six foot wave. She was just like it was her first wave, and I think she just wanted to like feel it out. Um, Carlos Relay was towing her, but she kicked out and her feet slipped out of the straps, and um, her board just stayed sort of like where she went to kick out. So, like, that was pretty much the impact zone for a proper set. And um, we were all sitting there in the channel, and uh, she turns around and starts swimming to grab the tow board to like then go you know to the channel and we're like leave the fucking board get out of there swim swim come this way and yeah she went grabs the board with one hand turns around and then like a 15 foot set is just upon her and we're just like oh gosh so she yeah she didn't make it to the channel and she got a whole set like just in the impact zone in between the right and the left and the first two waves she came up and we were all freaking out and she'd come up and she'd like, like she'd be all panicked and looking around like freaking out. And then like by the third wave, she was coming up and she was just like, Ugh. and we're like, Oh my God. Ah, she like, was going. Watching her die. Yeah. And then um, there was about six waves and then uh, uh, Poto, Poto grabbed her Um and he um, he tried, it was the third attempt he got her. He went in twice and the ski just, like, dropped into these, like, big, like, air pocket things, like turbulent water and just dropped. <laughs> and then he'd, like, come up and, like, just be on the ski and then have to, like, bail out and couldn't grab her. It was so heavy. Finally got her. That is fucking crazy. Yeah, dragged her, just grabbed the back of her life jacket and got her onto the sled and, like, she's had uh blood coming out of her ear and she was like not really conscious and we we're like wow thinking that we just watched her die and yeah it was rad and you're like i think it's time to go catch one yeah yeah <laughs> yeah Mike, so, it yeah, looks I, like it's getting smaller i think i'll yeah. tow in now she survived six waves on the head i can make this i can make it yeah but um yeah after all that time i just was paddling in and i was in the channel and i was like pretty close to being back on land and uh, Laurie Towner was coming around on the ski after going through the lagoon um, and he was just fanging back out and I don't know why but I just yelled out to him and um, was just like oh Loz like can you fucking get me one and I don't know <laughs> and he's like yeah dude like love to um, so I jumped on the back and then Ryan Hipwood was like take my board so I was on Ryan Hipwood's tow board and then um and then Laurie I actually I ended up getting towed in by Dean Bowen um to that one wave that I caught but um I just remember sitting out there holding onto the rope with those guys out there 
And you're like, I got to go now. These mountains were just rolling in. And I was just like, I don't know what I was thinking. But Have you ever done anything like that before? Mm, Oh, I had done, I had towed in at Chopes before when I was like 15 or 16 with Clay Marzo. Um, We were at the US Open actually and uh, Strider took us down to Chokes just for a 24-hour or 48-hour swell with Blair Hamilton was towing me and Clay into some waves. That was my first surf at Chokes was like 10 to 12-foot Chokes doing towing. <laughs> so I had had I had had a little bit of experience and that's that probably what gave me the confidence to have a go because like that wave that I – the one wave that I got that day, like the water was – moving so fast and so hard up the face and like just having the nose of the board pointed towards like the tower um judges tower or like the land the whole time otherwise like you you turn a little bit like to like a regular angle that you would you would have in a barrel and you just go up and over the falls so yeah i was like in the lounge chair just hanging back as hard as i could on that wave god dude uh, sharks are crazy, but Chopu, I mean, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, that, that wave is so gnarly. So, so gnarly. much water. I, I, I remember I, it was, I got spat, like it spat so hard and it never really cleared up. And I just hit the, the right and just like took me out. Um, like I literally ran into the lip of the right, I think, while I was inside like the speed of the barrel still. And then it just like lifted me in the air. I don't know how high I went, but like I was just floating in the air, like from the explosion of the wave. I had two life jackets on. And then <laughs> and then the first thing I saw once I like came to, like came up, I was like under the tower. So I went from like the impact zone of the wave to the tower I felt like I flew there pretty much. Like, oh, <laughs> oh my so, god! Yeah, how far is the tower, dude? Like a hundred yards. Hundred yards is so. Holy bad. shit! Yeah, at least maybe more. Yeah. Oh, yeah that was my first year on tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, this is what Ricky's do. I gotta earn my keep, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's so heavy. I love it. I, I mean, I, that's what I, I mean, you know, everybody has their, what their, no, you know, like their, their niche, you know, like, oh, I'm an air guy or I'm a big wave guy. I'm a barrel guy. Like you, you got the whole package. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like air barrels. Yeah. Style. Rail, style. Uh, everything. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I just. That was your first year on tour? Yeah that oh my gosh yeah i'm so glad i did it because i haven't been there for anything like that again since so like if i didn't it could possibly be something that i, I look back at and go oh yeah, yeah. probably fucking i'm probably being stupid because you would watch any of those waves back and you're like mm, that was a great decision but the but the guys surfing that day were are, are the nutty ones. Like that's what they yeah. do. Like the whole tour, the four, top forty four was sitting in the channel like you, and then you're the yeah. one that's like, I'm gonna go get one. Yeah, I would have, I would have, I would have thought, yeah, CJ and Damo that like, yeah, we were just like, 
we were buzzing so hard just sitting there together, like watching what was going on and like high fiving and like yeah. feeling for our lives. Yeah, it was, it was cool. I love those guys. I'm sure they looked at you different after that, right? I think I remember see, I remember seeing CJ's face when I was on that wave, like as I was going past, and it was like he was like. <laughs> I can always do that quietly hoping for that moment, maybe because we've been sitting there for so long together. It's like you actually did it. <laughs> uh, I bet. I bet the boys buy you some some beers that night. Oh uh, yeah, we we went to the. Um, so the, so you did the tour for how long? Uh ten years. Wow. Yeah. It didn't seem that long for me. Yeah. <laughs> Can you go back on tour? Yeah, dude. <laughs> so um, another big accomplishment is is the Olympics, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the Olympics was a like real highlight in my career, like a real standout. Even though there wasn't the crowds that um, would, you know, you would say which would elevate that experience of competition – um, it was still so significant, like to be a part of that. Um, yeah, you're like, a patriot. You know, you're you're, yeah. you're a countryman, and every you know, it's not first, just first surf. surfers in history to yeah. be in the Olympics. That's... Yeah, but you got the whole, not just your ho- local hometown. Like you know, when when you mentioned earlier that you know snapper was so important for you because that was kind of like your hometown event. Now. You you got the whole country like the world the world but like you know being Australian like that is it's got to be I mean so stressful I don't know I mean yeah amazing I yeah I always felt like doing the tour like my family first and foremost were like who I was representing but Australia just as much um, was 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 just as meaningful to me to, to represent Australia on the world tour. So like to represent Australia at the Olympics was like that next, next level and something that I always was just like, so proud to be representing. Um, yeah. So I was honored. Yeah. That's so, well, congrats. I mean, yeah, you, did, you didn't get a medal, but again, there was only a handful of people that were on that stage and, and you were one of them. Yeah, thanks. It was, it was, the waves got the waves were surprisingly good, right? The, ne- the next day, the waves pumped, but they were too worried about waiting. But like they were mapped off, and it was four foot, four to five foot, no wind, like TPs. But any yeah. waves, any waves was going to be a success with having with having it there. So this last couple of years, obviously, has been a whirlwind. You know, the tour kind of on off. You know, people locked down people not being able to travel, you you decided to kind of take a step back and spend time, like you said, you're a family man, family first. And what was your decision on kind of retiring? And, you know, yeah, you're obviously your ability has, you're, you're still at the top of your game. Yeah. You're still a, a world title contender. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely not retired. Um, yes. That's for sure. And I, I'm looking forward to doing some events in Oz this year. I'll compete this year. Um, but my own like mental well-being was far more important than like my personal goals and achieve like things that I want to achieve. Um, yeah. I've got a young family at home here in Oz and 
I spent six weeks in hotel quarantine last year and like, and when I was overseas, like if I got COVID, it was like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to compete, which was what I was making the sacrifice for. Um, and then I'd serve some sort of quarantine there. And then, you know, you have a mandatory two week quarantine just to get back to the family. Once you get back to Oz too, I don't know. It was, it was just a very stressful yeah. environment and, and, and back in Australia, like my wife was, was being like in lockdown too, um, where like she couldn't have any help. So she'd have two kids in the house, like all day long, um, without being able to go to the parks and, and get outside and go and do those things. And it wasn't safe to go to the supermarket and it was just a nightmare. Um, and then like my, uh, sort of purpose for leaving and doing the contest, like my head was nowhere near like where it needed to be, to be facing a, a world title, which is the only reason why I want to be there at this point. Um, and I felt like I was so far from that. Um, and my family, my, my two kids, uh, um, my little boy just turned two, um, two weeks ago and my daughter's going to turn four, uh, next month. But like, it's just, I had all the plans to do the tour with both the kids and my wife and, and we do it all together. Um, and yeah, the landscapes just changed so much. And while everything's so rocky and then there's so much uncertainty, uh, and in, in traveling with the family, um, I just, yeah, made a decision to stay in Australia, you know, predominantly and prioritize my family. And yeah, I feel like my, my surfing hasn't changed. I feel like I'm competitively, I could, I could tip in heavily for, for, and have a go for a world title still. And, um, there might be a day, um, down, you know, in the, in the near future that things do settle down and we, it does make sense yeah. to me again. Well, but. We, we, we like to hear that. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I thought you were giving it up when I started seeing you ride these like doors and these flat, like <laughs> wide, wide skin boards and everything. <laughs> Just yeah, kidding. don't worry. But I'm, I'm thankful that you're semi-retiring because that gave you the idea of starting your own thing yeah Yeah. or at least commit you've been stewing on it for a while yeah this has been fun i um obviously had a lot of time to think about things uh in quarantines and um and that sort of stuff last year and uh yeah an opportunity um to to have a proper go at this and create what created um like this up yeah this journey wouldn't have happened without the decisions that that i've made and 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 what's happened um of late um and i'm yeah like talking about competition it's funny i think like possibly one of the main driving forces to potentially continue competing um could be revere projects um you know it's it's a really nice, it feels great to slow, slow down and prioritize the family. And then I guess to, to, to create something that is, uh, 
has a lot of meaning to me and gives me a lot of purpose to go out there and keep doing what I do and push my surfing and create cool content and compete. Um, yeah, being able to to uh, to do, you know, put six and a half months into building Revere projects and and now it's yeah the curtains are being pulled back on it and the real the real journey begins but I'm super proud of of what I've been able to present to the world um well, it's just been kind of launched you know like with your social media and I know a lot of people really don't know what it's like what's behind it or what it means and stuff so can you tell our listeners like what's you know what's the name you know about and how'd you come up with it yeah well the name is revere projects um the word revere comes from my two kids i call them riv and via uh river and olivia um and projects is just um we want to do projects we want to do fun projects <laughs> yeah um, and yeah we love the name obviously um and the yeah the brand is exists to to kind of influence fun um yeah you know you need to obviously look after yourself in order to go and do the things that you love doing and, and have fun um so yeah it's it's you know it's it's a surf brand uh, with active wear um mixed in so you know you you look after yourself to 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 do the things you enjoy um and it's yeah it's it has a has an urban influence i have a skating background and there's multi sports that influence the brand that i'm passionate about and i enjoy doing to create something that isn't out there yeah your your brother in that in that meeting we had the other night Bart was saying how, you know, Rivia Projects is is definitely a, a reflection of you and it's really authentic in, in every way because you, you know, you're, you're showing yourself pl playing golf. You love golf. You know, you love riding moto. You love training. You love skateboarding. You love surfing. And that's what Rivia Projects is about. So, and I'm, dude, I've already had a, couple appointments already and everyone's been stoked on it so don't worry bro we're gonna kill it that's yeah. <laughs> it's really cool i mean it's it's crazy because it, it is like i mean putting myself out there it's it's it is who i am and what i've done my whole career and like along the journey it's always sort of been about sort of squashing the fun to focus on the serious um but it's always been a part of my life um and now it's I think it's important to share the message of, you know, that it is okay to let those things exist in your life and have fun doing them and get out there and um yes, stay active. Yeah. I love I love the tag tagline. Who came up with the tagline? Active discovery. Not that one. That one's dope. Yeah. But where surf meets sport and sport meets street. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's the fact that that is what it is. Yeah, um, yeah. Don't try to take that, Lar. Whoa, <laughs> I'm not starting a brand. Don't worry. You know, the Lar works for Ruka, right? Yeah, I'm a yeah. I'm a Ruka. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. But no, I mean, 
I, I'm super pumped that, you know, there's a, a bunch of <clears throat> surfer owned brands coming into the marketplace these last few years. Yeah. I mean, it's been a kind of a, you IPD, know, Florence, yeah. Florence Renax, former, former, I mean, you know, outer note, you got, you got all the brands that have surf surfer influence surfer backed. Yeah. And I think you're going to get a ton of support because we need newness. Yeah. You know, we need, yeah. um, we need something different. And and as long as you're authentic and it embodies what you're what you believe in and, and what you're passionate about, it's it's going to be going to have success. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, you know, Laura and I come from the surf culture. Yeah, you know, yeah. we both come from Huntington Surf and Sport. He was pro surfer magazine, blah blah blah. But you know, we're both reps in the industry, and you know, yeah. surf shops are are we love them. I mean, that's our livelihood. Yeah. Yep. But that's what, you know, they, they, they mean so much more to to not just our industry, but our local communities, you know, because they're the ones that employ our friends and family, our brothers and sisters. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, entrepreneurs like you that have the the aspiration and, and the resources to create an authentic brand, you know, you're you're helping us and you're helping the industry and you're yeah. helping the communities so yeah, yeah i appreciate that massively and yeah it, it, it's it's been pretty cool since kind of pulling the curtains back on the hard work that we that we've been doing and and get some positive feedback and encouragement and stuff yeah yeah i mean well you you guys handed the baton to me now it's my turn to work hard yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> get this guy to work. Yeah, man, I appreciate you seeing it, seeing the vision. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, like I said, we're you know, who's not a fan of Julian Wilson, and and you know, our our industry can't be supported by you know a handful of brands. It needs to be a collective, and I think you know the more more brands pushing each other to put out better product and, and to you know put out their own unique you know, look, it's going to help everybody and uplift it, you know, the sport and the industry for sure. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping to do. I, I think, yeah, at, at, at this point in, in my career, things that I'm super passionate about mean more to me than ever before. So this is something that I'm super passionate about and I'm going to put myself out there and, I guess I've already started and hopefully there's some like-minded humans out there that uh, enjoy it and uh, I can get, can get some people yeah. out there having fun. It's killer. It's perfect timing for you to do what you're doing, you know, especially cause we're a popular podcast. that's blowing up. We're going to help you blow up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're, We'll have to do, you know, some follow-ups, you know, episodes. Next yeah, time you're out yeah, in California. Down the line and, you know, maybe, maybe you got some 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 road underneath the brand and, and some business and we'll, we'll yeah. be able to like, yeah. Well, that's just guaranteed, bro. No, for sure. But this, this is the before and I'd like to get another one, you know, in the books, you know, down yeah. the line and, and continue on, you know, promoting and, and supporting. Yeah. And I, I know you got two young kids that you got to go help with and uh i gotta go to water polo games he's got my a daughter. water polo game um dude julian um jw jules wilson jules 
This has been amazing, man. It's it's so crazy to hear that you weren't really a competitive surfer, right? Like yeah. you didn't really compete that much when you were growing up, like Larson competed or other. Yeah. I guess Australia is a little different, but it's just, it's funny to hear that and to see what you accomplished. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, it's, you, you've yeah. had so much talent that that help you accomplish what you've done in surfing. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a silver lining to, to COVID. Um, yeah. One is uh, there's way more surfers, uh, way new, way more new surfers. And, and um, that help our industry. And, and, and now it's like the perfect timing for Rivia projects to, well, yeah. to be introduced. So, yeah. Yeah. Congrats. Awesome. Thank you. Stay healthy. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Yeah. Keep keep ripping. And uh I won't just be riding. I won't just be riding doors and planks. Don't worry, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> oh dude. I did I wanted to bring this up, but you what the heck were you thinking trying to do board slides in that Red Bull in the wave pool? Oh, I want to keep red- to be continued. I think that's holy guess. shit. So that that uh, it was like a, a a wood box. Yeah, it was it was foam and fiberglass. It was shaped out of foam and then fiberglass. But it was heavy, right? So heavy, yeah. And it it could have broken you in half, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I saw uh, a couple clips off that, and I was like. Holy shit, that thing misses head by like yeah. three or four inches. Too close. Yeah. He's an Crazy. extremist. Dude. Extremist. No more of that. Rivia projects only. Yeah, I did. Thank you. Peace. Bonsai Bulls. Hands down the best bulls, period. Seven locations. Two in Hawaii, five in Southern California. Bonsai Bulls. Go get some. Caliente Southwest Grill clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com, for all your party pack and catering needs. You could also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen, the best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen, it's been around since the sun. Shade Shade Sunscreen. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.